Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 321. I was fortunate enough to be invited to go up to Cherry Capital Comic Con the other weekend, aka C4, and hang out with friends and family from the industry. And it is a show unlike other shows. It really feels less of a convention, not in a bad way, but in in the sense of it just felt more togetherness, more community in the comic book industry. It was a lot of just shenanigans, hanging out late at night, and even though it's a smaller show, it's got big heart. With that in mind, I was able to sit down with a couple comic creators to talk about their skills. I talked to Seth DeMoose, JJ Cott, and Ryan Lee. Also, because it wouldn't be a show without Dirk Manning, I talked to him as well. Anyways, hopefully you guys get a better in-depth with these three gentlemen and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast episode 321, Interviews from Cherry Capital Comic Con 2018. so many other ways that I was going to introduce you. <laughs> so much that from, works. Yeah, but just saying your name, I guess, is good. I was going to, I was actually going to start when you were eating and, oh, okay. and have you not respond at all and do a cold open with a mouthful of almonds. Yeah. Or we could, we could go in search of a po- lost Pokemon toy. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind that was heartbreaking. Your, your kid. Hold on a second. I think I might see it. Are you for real? Yeah, just wait one second. All right. Alarm. False alarm. Is it really that small, though? Yeah, a... they're like this big. They're like this big. They're tiny. Oh, so they're like the ones that you get out of like a quarter machine? Basically, like? yeah. Okay. Um, very replaceable. Okay, okay. so it's not the end of the world type thing. Well, you would think it, you'd think it was. Well, yeah, it sounded like from, from him crying, it was the end of the world. <laughs> So, Ryan, besides being a superhero uh, sleuth of trying to find <laughs> your kids' drop toys, uh, it's been forever, and, yeah, and I miss you. You are one of my favoritest artists. Uh, I always say one of the most talented artists. Uh, oh, thanks, man. I always love when you do commissions for me, and I appreciate it. Thank we'll you. continue to always have that tradition for us together. But what is new with you? Uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, um, just trying to take take some time to get some work out there. I, I feel like I've been in a bit of a uh, a rut a little bit and getting getting more printed stuff out. Um, I'm still doing work with Valiant, so I do I do a lot of covers for them. Um, and I, but a lot of I mean, basically a lot of the stuff that's been keeping me busy the past couple couple months has been more illustration based, but. Um, there's always pitches out there, and I'm trying to get some stuff picked up. And if it doesn't get picked up, uh, looking at ways to get this, you know, get these things printed and made. So either that's either I'm footing the bill for it, or um, we end up crowdsourcing one or two of these things we have bumping around. But um, 
Yeah, the projects that I'm working on right now, uh, I feel like they all have legs, and I'd really like to draw them. <laughs> I'd like to see them made, and um, I don't see why, I mean, at some point you just have to make something, you know, it's just, just a matter of finding that time, setting that, you know, making it making it work for you so that you have time to do your, your paying work and everything else, so, I mean, ideally, that's why you want to go with a publisher, because, you know, you could sometimes get a page rate or back end or whatever. It's all a gamble, whatever you do, but... Um, my biggest thing is uh, I'm taking next year off. This all kind of plays together, by the way. This is a very okay. long-winded no, answer. No, go for it, yeah. But uh, I'm taking next year off from conventions um, because I really want to have, I want to put out some stories, you know. I want some books on my table. I feel like uh, I can't I can't go to conventions next year and not have some new, some comics out. I want, I want you know, stuff on, I want comics out there, you know. And um, it's hard because you can't really show off your pitches, you know, as good as they are, they're not a story, and uh, you know, you want to be, you want to stay relevant and show people you're working, but you know, it's um, it's it's tr- it's a little tricky sometimes. What, you know? what was the last uh, book that you were on? Um, I did stuff for uh, Archer and Armstrong um, a little while ago, and I did some backups. I've, I've done a lot of like backups and fill-ins and stuff, stuff for Ninjack. Um, Last year for me, two years even, like it's all a blur. Like, yeah. uh, what was the? Was it? It wasn't Guardians, was it? What were you doing for Marvel? Oh, I did. did a, I did. A, yeah, I did a one shot for Marvel, and yeah. I, then I did an, another backup. Okay. Yeah. Um, for Inhumans. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And, um, yeah. And yeah, I mean that was amazing. Like it was incredible. But yeah, that's the thing with comics. Like as you can tell with a lot of people's trajectory, you don't know like. How far that's gonna go, and I didn't think like I was gonna become like a Marvel exclusive or anything, you know. So, you just gotta keep keep up with the Joneses and keep putting out content. I can't, it sounds cold, but you know, you gotta keep put like putting out work and showing you're busy. So, well, for some yeah. li- newer listeners who may not know your work, and how did you get into comics? Um, like. Just like working with like publishers and stuff well, like that, well, or even your what was your basis of wanting to be an artist? Like childhood, you oh, picked up a comic yeah. one time, and you're like, I wanted to do Captain America or whatever type book that you you loved at the time. Yeah, I mean, it, this probably sounds generic, but like it does, it goes back deep. Like I read comics as a kid. Like um, we would go to you know in Michigan, we call them party stores. I would stop there with my parents and. Uh, they would be getting whatever they were getting, and I would get to get a comic from the spinner rack, you know, or like at the time, two grocery stores had comics, you know, and that was kind of like my thing if I was being good in the grocery now, store. Now that you say that, you I know? that's how I got into at least reading. Is yeah. that a DNW right there at the checkout? It was the Age of Apocalypse at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And that's crazy. That's, yeah. That was my first foray into comics. Now that I, now that you say that though, they don't. They don't do that anymore. No. And no, that's kind of sad. Not really. Yeah, you don't see that. Yeah, you just don't see it anywhere. Like, I felt like it was everywhere, especially in the 90s. Like, even, like, our local record store was stocking comics. It was, I mean, you you were probably, that was probably when you first got into it, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, but um, but I was definitely into comics during that era, too. Of course, like, I was, I think I was, I was kind of like a tween at that which is perfect like those comics 
it just hit me like this is what I want because <laughs> they felt kind of dark and they felt a little more adult because they're tough and aggro a lot of, and, a lot of spikes and blades lot of spikes and, stuff. and had a lot of attitude and I love I still love it like people look back on it sometimes and they kind of make fun of it but like there's something so fun about it like I think of it as more of a motif than it is like a time that like comics went awry you know <laughs> yeah because a lot of people kind of act like that and I'm like no this is just part of comics history like and that's viable still like that stuff was fun just like action movies are fun it's fun like yeah. you know what you're getting it's not gonna win an Oscar some of these movies but like that doesn't mean it's not a valid thing it, that doesn't mean it can't be your favorite movie or your favorite comic or your favorite whatever you know like there's different ways to enjoy things you know and 90s comics were pretty fun like for me I, I I don't know like my sensibilities have changed a lot since then but I still appreciate all that stuff you know like were there, were there any particular artists at the time that you drew inspiration from or that even now you you still look up to I don't think I look at a lot of those guys as much but like definitely growing up um yeah, I, I was, I loved, um, I mean, all the big names, like, uh, you know, there's one person, uh, well, I love Jim Lee, of course, like, he changed the face of comics, and then, you know, like, Liefeld, of course, and, and I was actually a big Wills Portatio fan, who I feel like doesn't get as much love, he had such an interesting flair with his work, um, I was a huge fan of him as well, and then... I loved Sam Keith, and I think that that's one guy who you can actually see in my work now. I feel like his stuff, even at the time, was kind of odd. Like it was, it just looked so different. It had a very indie feel to it, even then. You know, it was everyone was so exaggerated. The de like obviously, I like drawing like laboriously detailed work. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I still I like the way that stuff looks. It's just really cool to me. So. Well, speaking of your work, I mean, I know different people have their art styles and everything, and I don't know what I would call yours, but I mean, you do some, when you do sketches or when you do something, you have your, your lines made with pencils and everything, but I feel like sometimes when you're drawing your grotesque-ish type stuff, does, do you already have that vision, or do you just kind of start and it, it just comes alive when you're making it. Yeah, I think that's why I like drawing monsters a lot. Is I like designing things. Um, and you can, yeah, it, it really, um, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, improvisation in a monster because you can't really draw one wrong, especially if you're, like, just making it up on the spot, which I really like doing, like, at shows, like, doing those quick monster sketches. Like, that stuff's really fun because it's, like, just a little exploration, experimentation, just kind of messing around, and you see what you can make of it. And there's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's relaxing to me to do that kind of stuff. So you don't, you don't have to worry about anatomy and all that, which you know, one like, mouth, two mouth, three eyes, whatever. Or four. Yeah. yeah, sky's the limit, right? So do you yeah. have so since each monster is unique when you make it though, is there any uh, feature or type that you kind of you go towards, like almost like a a swamp thingish head, or you know, or the mermaid or what, black lagoon type thing. Yeah, like a yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that there's different, um, there's different like subgenres of monsters. You know, you've got your like Lovecraftian monsters with the tentacles and the 
ancient uh, alien god god beings and like then you got your like your standards you know your universal monsters like I love I mean and then there's like kaiju and like all the like uh, Japanese monster like there's all sorts of different realms you know and for sure like I even think like a lot of video games you know have their own kind of flavor and yeah I don't really gravitate towards one or the other like I, I do like the ones that are a little crazier looking um, I don't know I just always look for like an interesting kind of composition and palette almost sometimes you know I don't, know. I don't really have a preference though I love all that stuff what is out of all the the works that you've done was your favorite creation whether it was a sketch a commission a book honestly I think my most recent stuff that we're pitching right now is probably and I'm not just saying that okay. <laughs> like to like uh, try to sell this stuff but <laughs> I really do think it's like the best stuff I've done like sequentially storytelling wise and like trying to tell trying to get a um, an emotional mood out of everything and make it really uh, I don't know just creating interesting environments and kind of I don't know I just feel like when I did these last last pages for the stuff I, I really dialed into something that it's starting to look like how I want my pages to look which I mean everyone it's the generic comic book person's uh, struggle you know they're never quite where they want to be but like I, I feel like I'm better doing better with it than I ever have before so but honestly I do think that's like my best stuff like, both of the um, two of the pitches I'm doing are horror and um I just that's what I should be doing I think I should be drawing horror comics you know? I feel like our con family you know the, the names that I could just list off the top of our heads seem to be generating more towards the horror vibe horror sci-fi you feel that's a whole industry thing or it's kind of more of a indie thing that's easier to break into I, I do think it's kind of hot right now which is good <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty hot right now, you know? I mean, like, I got, like, you look at something like Get Out winning, like, an Academy Award for yeah. Best Script. Like, that is incredible. Like, it was a great. I love that movie. But the, the fact that it won an Academy, like, yeah, like those yes. never get nominated. And, and they should. It's just. And, yeah, I can't believe that it got, you know, brought up for Academy Award. That's just nuts, those that doesn't ever happen. It should. And yeah, I feel like movies, like, I like that they're getting loved. Like, this is this is art just like anything else is, you know? Um, there's a lot of conscientious decisions put into horror that I think people just see as, like, scares, you know? And I'm like, there's more to it. There's a psychology to it. Like, there's a pacing to these things. They are, like, um, yeah, they're crafted in such a manner, like, to pace these things a certain way. Like, it's got... I don't know. It's all, all this stuff is planned out, and it's it's great that you know movies are getting that love, and you know like things. Of course, The Walking Dead is still going strong. Yeah, that's true. That you know like that can do no wrong at this point. It no. seems. And even if people feel like zombies are played out or whatever at this point, it's like, how cool is it that one of the most popular things in in like all of media is a zombie show, a mainstreamed zombie show. That's like you gotta take a step back every now and then and look at that and be like a zombie show that came from a comic book that's insane I'm not gonna lie one of the biggest regrets that I have at a con Kirkman was at one of them 
think it was issue 10, maybe, stuff like, uh, and what is, what is this, you know, like, oh, I like zombie stuff, do I get into a random, you know, creator-owned book, you know, how is that going to work, not realizing, researching, and, and everything, and knowing what it would be, I mean, yeah. I picked up some other books, I mean, from Image, they don't always go everywhere, even if they're big names, some books just don't sure. make it, you don't know what's going to be that next big thing, Yeah. but that... There was a number one there that it was already priced a little bit more. I think it was up to 20 bucks then at that time. <laughs> so they kind of knew where they were going, but we got them signed. Those things are going for hundreds of dollars now. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of more or less a, a, a moral tale to listeners. Pick up stuff that you think you might like regardless. I guess now I'm trying to put a monetary value on it, which not trying to do that, but, no, no, no. but don't regret not doing that if you see a book at a con from someone that you never might have heard of before because they could be the next big thing yeah it's uh it's i can't believe how big it got but i i guess like even like coming back to yeah still talking about the walking dead like i remember reading it and just like giving it to a lot of my friends um who had never read comics and i'm like you should check this out and they read it like it it was it's riveting like i haven't I'm, a, I'm behind on the book, like, years behind. And that's oh, not... it's good. I'm, I'm yeah. up to date. It's is it, still good. Like, I haven't even seen the Negan stuff. Like, oh. I am way behind. Okay, yeah, you are. Way behind. But, like, I bought... I was buying those hardcovers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I just could not wait till the next one came out. And, like, I got a lot of people reading that book and then reading some other comics because it was, like, that book had some insane reveal, like, page-turn reveals and stuff, like... Uh, when, um, what is it, Lori, Rick's wife, is that Rick's wife's name? When, when she yeah, gets Lori, shot, yeah, up, yeah, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> when she gets shot, I was just like, it, my stomach, like, dropped. Like, I can't think of many comics that I've had, like, such a, uh, like, a visceral response to, you know? And it really was, like, impactful. It really is. The well, telephone? Well the telephone call? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. there was some stuff Oh, the in telephone, there. that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, heartbreaking. Is, oh, so, so much, so good in there. Um, well, I know that you got many people that are going to want to buy your, your art and stuff right now. And so we're going to wrap this up. But a question that actually talking to you earlier when you're talking to my friend Cassidy about, yeah, I feel like it's going to be one of my go-to questions now talking to artists is what's in your supply bag? What do you use? <laughs> like my tools? Yeah. Because uh, I find like if, if people are listening that are thinking of getting in, what would they maybe want to have on them? Sure. Yeah, it's funny because there's this there's this whole thing where like it's kind of a running joke in social media circles about what tool do you use and some people take it as this implication that there's some kind of magic pen that's gonna make you good. I don't read into it like that. Like it's always cool to know like it's always cool to know um, just to see what people are using. Like, there's people are curious. Like, why would you discourage someone from like being interested in these things? So, mm-hmm. anyways, I like answering those questions because I was there too. I asked those questions, you know. <laughs> um, I I uh, it's funny because like when I pencil, I usually use just like Dixon. I got Ticonderoga pencils, like you know, just the old school pencils you used in the uh, pencil grinder at school, okay. you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel the need to 
buy expensive ones. I don't really, I don't do tight penciling though either. I do a lot of my drawing when I ink. So they're perfect for me because I don't have to get in and do fine tuning. And some people's pencils are really, really tight. And that's just my process. I, I just like whipping it out and they're, they're buttery enough for me where I can lay down some things and they're cheap and I like that. And then I buy, um, I use cola rice, blue cola erase pencils sometimes, uh, the blue. Uh, they're kind of waxy, but they erase too, um, and they're they're easy to drop out in Photoshop when you scan them. Um, I, I pen-wise, I like to use uh, I use uh, pin pens, Uni pin pens, which are um, they're kind of like microns. They're just sturdier. They're a little more durable. They last longer. I don't know. They might just be they might just be fancier. Like, I pay more for them than microns, so maybe that makes me think they're better. <laughs> but I really do think they last a little bit longer than nibs do. And then um, I use Kurataki uh, brush pens and uh, Zebra brush pens. Uh, these are all great. Um, yeah, uh, I wish I could say, like, I was some kind of, like, maestro with, like, a, a, a brush. But I'm not. Like, I've always drawn with pens since I was a little kid. It's just... I tried doing brushwork. I tried using nibs. Um, I don't like that scratchy sensation that nibs have and brushes. I am so heavy-handed. I just end up drawing these huge fat lines and everything looks terrible. I don't have a lot of control with them. I just feel comfortable with pens, so that's okay. what I use. Go with what works, though. There's no... I mean, and yeah, like, just find something that works. You don't have to buy expensive things, but... Um, I, these, I experimented with a lot of different things. Like I buy one or two pens every now and then. Just try them all out and see what I like. And this is kind of where I landed. I, I tend to not change things up too much. So uh, at the beginning there was something. trial and error, but then Tons. you kind of Tons. fell into what you love now. And Yep, there was a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of buy the same thing over and over again now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a real boring. I see everyone with their like their bags, and they have some really neat looking pens and stuff. But I have a lot of those too. I just <laughs> they sit in a drawer now. You know? <laughs> I'll probably just end up giving them to my kids at some point. You know? <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me. And you said you're taking a year off, so I guess we'll do this another when I see you in a year again, and yeah. we'll find out what you've been up to. Yeah, we well, can announce I, all the many new publishings that you're going to get going. That's the plan. I want to have new books on my table uh, next time I'm at a show, so we're doing it. It's happening. Alright, well thanks, man. Thanks, Cheers. Tony. Yep. Um, so what do you want to talk about? Talk about you, man. So what if, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like you. Well, <laughs> I am with Seth DeMoose, the hermit. The hermit. I've, yes. I, I mean... You really are... More like a giant-sized hobbit. I like my home. I want to be home. I like those close to me. Yeah, so not a hermit. More like a hobbit. Yeah. Okay. But like a large-sized hobbit. hobbit. <laughs> that looks homeless. A homeless hermit yeah. hobbit. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just going with scruffy. the whole H thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Monopier or whatever. No, it's good. It's good. I had that coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. In all seriousness, though... I'm glad that we finally are doing an interview after, fuck, we talk all the time. We talk all the time, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, that you're actually finally doing the podcast circuit. Yes. What has changed in your life that has now made you be like, oh, I'm going to hang out with these little blokes and... Uh, I don't think it's changed. I think I just finally said, I guess I have to do it. 
promote yourself a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was high time. I mean, I needed to do more of it. Get people to know the person behind the ink? Yeah, if they're interested in knowing who it is and who I am and how it's done, then yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, you've been blowing up within the past year. Oh, I mean, thank you. Award-winning. I did win an award last year. Artist. I did. Uh, they gave it to Dan Doherty this year. Well-deserved uh, creator, independent creator of the year award for Dan Doherty. Anyway. <laughs> well, let's talk about you winning it because you won the first ever. So that's... It was... Uh, quite humbling. Uh, I'm still a bit floored and honored uh, that I was even nominated last year in the first place, uh, let alone to bring it home and win it. Uh, now sharing that company with Dan and other friends and peers as this award and this show grow, I, I'm just beside myself with um, humility because I was gonna say it's, some a, other, it's an honor. Some other people would go to their heads if they won, but you in particular, you, know, uh, yeah. you take it, take it with stride, and I think you have to. It's hard to say um, how anyone would react to it. Um, I'm still, I'm just floored. I'm floored. It's an honor and uh, a privilege to have the responsibility of carrying that award in Gary's name. Now, you getting into comics, how long ago was it that you first really started? Uh, it was 2002, I was working on a webcomic called Brett Halla. So I've been doing sequential storytelling semi-professionally since 2002. So 16 years now. <laughs> a little bit. And what was your first big uh, published comic? I mean, not that, you know, online web comics, but that's a different uh, ballpark. It is. Um, the first printed published work of mine was a five-page uh, short story that I co-wrote in the back of uh, Bomb Queen through Image Comics. And then I was fortunate enough that that led to... Um, Another image comic book called I Hate Gallant Girl, which I co-created with Cat Cahill. Uh, and that led to Xenoholics. And it just kind of growed and, or grew, growed. It just kind of grew and snowballed from there. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to always be doing something. Now, at what point in your life, so before 2002, did you say this is kind of a career path that you wanted to do? I was 12 years old, and I made a decision that this was, uh, I wanted to tell stories and make comic books, and it's been dedication and working towards that uh, ever since. So I was blessed and cursed with knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up at a very early age. <laughs> Did you always like just doodle on the back of like science class or whatever? And I did. Um, and I always, uh, friends and I growing up were always interested in uh, telling stories. So we made movies, we made uh, songs, we wrote music, uh, we drew our own comic books even as little kids and it just, uh, that bug um, never left me. Now you've said here at C4, you come here because this is 
just an amazing convention. It is family friendly. It is fun, but it's a vacation for you. You you enjoy this convention for what it is because it's different from all the others. Yes, this show is like a backyard barbecue for us creators. Um, we've all become such close friends and darn near family with the promoters. Uh, Mike Ackerley, Rob Humphrey, Pat Koala, Jason Plowman. I mean, there's endless number of people and volunteers and uh, everyone who puts this show together. Uh, the Grand Traverse Resort in Traverse City is an amazing place to be. So, yes, it's like getting together with your closest friends and just having a good time. Yeah, under the premise of comics, which is even cooler. <laughs> and you've been doing a lot more conventions in the past couple years than before. Uh, maybe one or two more. Um, I still really only do five, maybe six a year. It's, yeah. It's Shit, I thought it was like double no, digits now. No, no, and yeah. as much as I love the shows cover, and being uh, a guest or just at the show, I don't know that I could ever or want to commit to more. Uh, this gets back back to the hermit, hobbit, homeless guy. I like being home. Um, I'm not. I'm not built to be a road warrior. Uh, so yes, as much as I love doing them, I don't know that I would do more. Not, not at this point. All right. Um, what is then your most favorite, whether this convention or any moment, being an artist in Artist Alley at a convention? Actually, what was your first convention that you ever did? Uh, and when? Let's see. 2000 and two would have been Wizard World Chicago was my first show. Um, well, I guess it would have been 2003. Because 2002 I just went down and showed art in my portfolio around. Um, so yeah, the first show I worked would have been 2003. And that was that was a blast. I mean, you can't undo your first, so that's always good. Um, favorite moment at a show? It's hard to pinpoint. I mean, truly. Um, when you met Drunk on Comics? I, mean, was, I understand that. That was pretty epic. That was pretty <laughs> epic. Uh, winning the Gary Reed Award last year, uh, but that wasn't at the show. That was like an after thing. Um, usually the best part of the shows for me is the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the, the union of everybody, all the friends getting together. That's that's really what does it for me. Now, you, you get a lot more commissions of creations, you know, that are always out there, Marvel, you know, DC, you know, you have your own independent works that you've done. What is your favorite that you've gotten commit asked to commission? Oh, whichever one I'm working on now. Um, I, I just, I love drawing so much. It, they're all fun. Um, I've had some goofy requests in the past. I've had some straightforward requests. Um, I like, I like drawing, so I really don't know that I could pick a favorite commission that I've done. Now take us through your process because you've been quoted as saying it's too cartoony. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, honestly, I don't know what it means anymore. It's more become uh, a joke more than anything else at this point. Um, I've never been a big fan of labels anyway, uh, but a hundred years ago it was a comment that was made 
in my direction uh, towards my art for a project on a book that I didn't do um, was that it was too cartoony for the, the content or the story in the book. Um, so yeah, whatever too cartoony means, how I fit into that, I never really gave it much thought after that, honestly. So now I, I use it as like a, a tongue-in-cheek jab back at all those who say something is not what it's it's not going to fit go. here or do this go. or not good enough. Yeah. It's just me continuing to do the work. Like All right. Yeah. Now, you've been very known for me, at least, with mystery. Yes. And and having kind of a horror vibe, but yet you have a new book out, which is <laughs> yeah. completely different. Exactly nothing like horror or the macabre or anything else, really. Um yeah. Floppy Cop is written by Dan Doherty, uh, drawn by myself, and it is a it's a it's a comedy. It's silly. It's uh, I've, I've used absurd and a bit ridiculous. Uh, the premise is he's a police officer who has no spine, like li literally has no backbone. Um, so the and then the hilarity ensues from there. There's a cast of villains. Um, Similar in the vein to the '60s Batman show, um, where they're just they're goofy. Um, it's just fun, and I think uh, I know I definitely needed after working on Re for as long as I had uh, and have, I needed a breath of fresh air, and it was good to come up for air and laugh again. It is everything about it is ridiculous, but I love it more so because of that yes like it's, it's hard to to explain why but it's one of those things that it's like Monty Python-esque or something where it's absurd yes to the point of stupid funny it's it's so stupid it's funny yeah um, and I love that how much you guys like personally just enjoyed doing it like and it's I think it shows uh, how much fun Dan and I had uh, putting it all together uh, we put it together very quickly um, not because we were in a rush but just because that's how it all came together and we were both having such a good time that it just everything fell into place for it so yeah and is this would you say this more kind of passion project then like you really love it and you want to see it keep growing yes um, we have plans to continue making um, at least three issues uh, to complete the story arc that we started in issue one. Uh, so there is more Floppy Cop coming around the corner here. Um, it, but it's it's just fun. And that's the point. Is You need to, every once in a while, remember why you do things, and it's because it's fun to do. Not always about the paycheck. It's, it's not always about the paycheck. I think if it's always about the paycheck, it's it's not worth it to me. I don't, I don't need it to make millions of dollars. Would I like that? Yes. Would I turn it down? No. But there's got to be more to it than that. And I think it's the, the friendship and the camaraderie um, as part of the collaborative process that makes these things worth doing. What's in your toolkit? What kind of tools do you use when drawing? I'm a big fan of use whatever's around. Um, there is no magic pen, there is no magic marker that makes your art look the way you want it to. It's, it's all down to talent and 
um, a willingness to experiment and play with whatever you can. So I've got a couple of um, different pens and markers that I use, but really nothing uh, specific. This week it could be a Prismacolor, or next week it's a Copic. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever works, really, is where I'm at with it. Well, Seth, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me, finally. Oh, thanks for having me. We've done this once before, I thought, no? Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. I mean, we had to force yeah. you to, to chat. <laughs> and I, honestly, I have a ton more questions that I could ask you about Floppy Cop. About sure, sure. Else. But you know what? I'm going to let you be, because this is a fun... It's a fun, fun show. Fun show. That's right. We're uh, having And we're having a good time. I'll just come over to your house sometime and just like force you to come to the bar, and then... We'll really have at it. That'll work. All right. Well, thanks, Seth. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right. I am with Jay Jaycott, world-class beard enthusiast. <laughs> just because I grow one doesn't mean I'm... Oh, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I mean, I just want to talk about the beard. Not, not anything else that you do. All right. Just how lush and long and... Wow, you got Gimli. You're... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I do absolutely the little, the, the, the least amount of work to keep it going. Literally, I wash it, I brush it, and that's it. I mean, that thing is massive. It's gravity. Gravity's got a hold of it. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, though, Jay is a very talented artist, <sighs> as well as friend of the show, as well as friend of everyone else that's comes to these cons. Nah, stop, stop. Well, you give friendly advice to everyone. Even to me when I was like, last night, I'm like, I, I don't think I could ever really draw. And you're like, anyone can do it. <laughs> I believe in people. I can't help it. Well, you're always just so happy and lovable. and I'm a giant teddy bear. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, yes, yes. So how's the con been for you so far? Good. I always love the show. Every single year, it's continuously, it shows me love in ways that I can't even imagine. Like, over the time, this is my ninth out of ten shows that I've been here. Originally, it was all about, you know, the books I had and, you know, some of the prints I had. And then over time, it slowly started shifting to people wanting me to draw stuff for them. So now this is a commission-based show for me. And it's it feels wonderful to have people come up and want to have new creations and reimaginings where they give me freedom, freedom, to freedom, freedom now and new. What is it? Yeah, I can see it. It's, it's a new earth, rare earth metal. Freedom. Oh, oh no, that's I the worst see, naming I see, thing ever in any. Movie. Oh no, I can see it happening already. It is going to happen. It's going Someone, to some executive that listens to Drunk on Comics is going to be like, I got the name for the new. Uh, Avatar movie metal. Freedom. <laughs> yes. What are we doing? We're trying to we're, we're trying to do rare Pandora metals. <laughs> we're giving the Nafi Freedom. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, how did you get into uh, comics? Oh, it's the easiest way to describe this. Um, I kind of was born into and raised of it. Like you know, basically, comics have been such a big part of my life because I learned how to read because of comics. Literally, my first comic I ever had was Spider-Man number 238, which is the first appearance of Hobgoblin. And my parents got me a subscription, and for years and years, that's what I had. So, it, literally, I have the ability to read to think of comics. Um, you know, fell in love with them, fell out of love with them over the years, but I did. Both my parents were self-employed, and they always had to do their own marketing, so I was always a part of that. My dad had me do drawings left and right to create various parts of you know his business plan and stuff uh, and 
just a matter of over time I did printing and graphics like visual imaging technologies and printing uh, graphic design since I was 12 13 uh, drawing since I was 11 and always in love with comics and it was all like oh Heck, stage production, uh, acting, singing, you know, performing, and that's really all it is. It's one giant performance. You're telling a story. It's all related. And I, it got to the point where I realized this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's basically it. Okay, so that brings us to the point of those. What? When did you make your first like, oh. comments? I, I'd been making comics for years. I never finished them. Because that's what we do. We make them and we never finish them. And then we start a new one and we never finish it until we do. And then after we do, then we keep doing it. Um, but uh, honestly, the situation was underneath. The, uh, it was 2005. Uh, and, or 2000, yeah, 2006. Uh, one of my good friends from high school, he was doing a college production course at Lansing Community College in Lansing, Michigan. And... Uh, there was a really good group within the class. Uh, they all did little short story comics. They finished up the class, and my buddy was like, "Hey, why don't we get together and put comics together? Why don't we ma- like take all these little short things and put it to make a comic and put it out?" And he called me up and invited me over, and I got involved with the group. Is when they were first starting out. We would meet every two weeks, and shortly after time, I realized none of them really had idea about printing or marketing or graphic design. You know how to put the thing together and how to make it you know, not necessarily profitable, but how to be able to get the best cost out of it. And so uh, I stood, you know, one day in class, when that class, when the meetings, um, we were talking and they were talking about how much we're going to produce when we do it. And the numbers, and I knew what the math would be there regarding what the cost would be. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't possible for the way they were doing it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to publish it. I'm going to put this all together and I'm going to publish it. Plain and simple. And we all went with it. I put up the capital to be able to do it, um, put it all together, printed it off, and it got me rolling. And it got me pushing the publishing aspect to the side and me creating. Slowly, it kept pushing me away from creating more and more on the publishing side. And I was helping more people out than helping myself out. Uh, classic scenario with creators trying to be creators and being creative types. They don't want to create because they're afraid of creating. They're afraid of failing in their creating more or okay. Once you succeed once, it's that much greater to keep, that much harder to keep going, because you put all this time into it, but yet you have these so many things. But it's so much easier just not to do it. I guess and, yeah. and it, it's like that's that's like the, the creative. Um, so it's not it, dilemma. The creative's dilemma, if you will. You've done it. You know how to do it. But now you've set the bar, and you're afraid of not being able to do it again. And it really stops you. But anyways, aside from all that, eventually that all stopped, and I got back on to doing my own stuff again. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it. Now, out of the, the the works that you've done, tell us a little bit about anything that you found particular while making your own comics. Oh, geez. We don't have enough time to go over that. <laughs> um, no, really... You know, it's, it's what I say to everyone uh, whenever we talk about the concept of making comics and what it is. It, it, comics are not one thing. They're not just one thing. Everyone has their own unique way that, tell, that they tell stories. And for me, every single time I do a comic page, I learn something more about myself, about how I create comics and what works for me, what doesn't, what can I do, what have I done before 
And how does this relate? Am I just copying what I've done before? Or can I really do something new? And it's a constant push to try and do something new for myself and keep everything fresh and unique. Now, we are drunk on comics, so we usually pair comic books with drinks. Okay. I want you to answer who is your favorite creation, like character that you've made, and what do you think they would be drinking? Oh my dear lord, that's, that's an easy one. The Taoist Narki, uh, which is a futuristic film noir detective story taking place on another planet. Uh, he's a detective, a galactic detective, uh, and his name is Snarky, and he lives up to his name. Easily, I would probably say that it would be at least an 18-year-old single malt scotch neat. Hands down, with just a drop of water. All right. Excellent. Where did you take your inspiration from? Do you feel like you have certain creators that you've drawn from while growing up? I mean, everyone has their own style and everything, but you think of something in your head sometimes. That's hard. That's really hard. I think that it's, it, for me, it's more from life because I find that when I, I find other creators and things that I like about them, I try to study what it is they're doing that I like because I don't want to just emulate their style. I don't want to just recreate what they're doing. I want to incorporate the ideas that they're using into what I'm doing. I used to spend a lot of time trying to build a style and then one day I woke up and realized I'm already doing something unique. It's like some other people, but it's, it's wholly mine. Like you see the art and you're like, yeah, I can tell that's mine. I can tell that's my art right there. Um, and really, it, it's just being able to look around and see what's going on around me. Um, looking at movies, looking at various shots, how they frame it, uh, photography, you know, just looking around you. Inspiration is all around you, and all you have to do is be willing to look at it. Now, it, and, and I, because you're an independent artist um, and creator, it doesn't always reflect uh, this question, but were there ever the big two or any property that was out there that you wanted to get on like or just to do to be like I always love Spider-Man so I wanted to do that if they're willing to pay me I'm oh, willing to yeah, do yeah, it yeah. <laughs> I mean when it comes down to it getting a chance to play in that type of sandbox I mean honestly I mean I don't I don't really have anyone that has said no to yeah wanting to do that but there have been someone that have said I I enjoy what I'm doing and creating my own yeah that they were kind of like I thought of it, but they don't. They don't know how to answer that question because I guess they didn't have a favorite. But I'm like, most people have a favorite character in their head that they may have wanted to just always do. Oh, absolutely! No, I don't have a single favorite character. I mean, I would love to do a Swamp Thing book because I could just get rough and rugged. I could really do some fantastic stuff. A Constantine book would be great. I mean, it, it just depends on the type of story that it is because it's not so much the character as it's the type of story that's involved with them. Um, and honestly, I would love to play in the sandboxes. I mean, like with punching the clock stuff, uh, I just did the 30 pages to cover the night shift that was uh, left undone over the years as they finished up the day shift story. And then the protagonist, Ryan, went to the night shift and it's been keeping the third book from being released for a couple of years. And we finally got it done after they brought me on. And it was me getting a chance to play around in the sandbox they created. And for me to play around in that and be able to, to mesh my, my style in their world was just amazing. And I, I, I think that that really there identifies for me. Like, if I got a chance to play around with the big two, it depends on what they want me to work on. I trust them in choosing me to put me on a product that they, they like and they want to see me do and see my interpretation of because it's what an artist gets to do with their sandbox. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what do you have in your... I got, this question I just came up with at this show, and I'm now starting to ask uh, artists. Okay. But I'm trying to think of the way to word it, so maybe you can help me. What do you have in your pencil case? Or like, <laughs> what... What, what is what is what your arsenal you, your, for art? Yeah. What is your art arsenal? Yes. Um, I, I've, I've actually distilled it down to my basic things. Uh, currently, like my travel to go case has uh, like three Copic markers, a C2, C4, and a C6 for just standard gradation when I need it. Uh, it's also got the Copic Gassen Fude, which is a nylon uh, brush pen nib with the Copic ink in there so it doesn't bleed when I use the alcohol based markers over the top of it. Uh, I also like the uh, Kuratake, uh, it's the writer, it's a dual tip. Other than the Zig Writer, I've got the, uh, the Zebra Brush Pen, the Ultrafine, uh, which is a flexible nib disposable brush pen. Uh, it provides a nice snap to the tip, but it's felt nib stands up to the years of abuse. I've got the, uh, the Double Ot 5 Micron as well for just super fine lines quick. Uh, and then I've also got the Kiritake number 13 brush pen filled with uh, platinum black ink. Or is it Noodlers? I can't remember what's in there right now. Um, I've also got the Multi-8 Multi-Liner. It's uh, basically a lead holder. It uses 0.2 millimeter colored lead, but it's got eight different colored leads. It's almost like those old school like Eggs, pens. The pens, the four color pens. Yeah. yeah. No, this thing is fantastic because if I'm out and about and I want to add a little color to something, I've got this with me. But at the same time, if I'm doing a layout of anything and I want to change to a different subject, I can do it in a different color to help me differentiate when I'm there, mm -hmm. like when I'm going to town on it. Um, and then the last two are the pencils that I use, which is just a simple little 0.5 millimeter, like what is it, Graph Gear 500 by Pentel. And then the other one is this um, ancient, what is it? Can't even read it anywhere. It's like a. a Carol Italian lead holder that's this solid metal lead holder that my dad used long before I was born and I inherited from him I, I inherited I stole it from him um, and it's a you know two millimeter lead holder that I get to use and um, also I always carry around a kneaded eraser with me and I actually uh, hold it in a smart fit lihit l-i-h-i-t lab um, Cordura fabric, uh, like pencil case, uh, which has been a fantastic find. It's just been wonderful for traveling. What's new with you? What do we have looking forward from you? Uh, well, right now we've got the Punching the Clock book three that came out where I've got 30 new strips in there along with uh, Jeff Manley, the original artist on the series, and by, Rob, by writer Rob Humphrey. Uh, book just came out right before the show. Um, just hot off the presses. Hot off the presses! Uh, I've got a book that I lettered. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. Which is uh, a, a book, an interview comic with Noam Chomsky. Which was releasing on June 5th. Um, basically, it encompasses things like the Mexican-American Studies program at Arizona. And the problems involved with it. It's a... It's a it's a huge social, you know, uh, talk about the changes that have been happening for a while. Um, give me just a second. I want to try to find that title real quick. Anyways, uh, other than that, um, there's also going to be a Kickstarter launching soon for the Tales of the Curio Shop through Rocket Ink Studios. Okay. Uh, they had a preview book open this weekend. 
Uh, they collect all the works. They're working on getting everything together right now for the Kickstarter. I've got a 12-page story in there that was illustrated off of uh, Casey Pierce's uh, script. Uh, so I've got, I do the art, the lettering, everything in that. Uh, but those are the main books right now that I'm looking at coming out. Uh, I got another project that I'm getting ready to work on that I can't really talk about right now. Um, but it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, it's... You know how I know it's going to be fantastic? Because I'm working on it? <laughs> and you have that fantastic beard. It's true. It, I'm, I, someday, I actually... A guilty pleasure of mine is I want to... I want to when, eventually, when my beard goes, I want to keep the hair and try turning it into a brush of some type. I, I want to try to be able to crimp it down and build a brush myself. I, it's, I, I have this really weird penchant to create things, not just like art and stuff, but if there's something that I can use to do a job, I want to make it happen. I want to design it, I want to build it, and I want to make my life easier by using it. And I would love to make myself one brush, just one. I don't need any more than that just to know that I did it and I can do it. And if I ever need to do it again in a pinch, I know how. <laughs> I, I think you could make multiple brushes. One giant mop of a brush. <laughs> that could be a whole fucking painting a room brush. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jay, thank you so much for chatting with me. Dude, it was a pleasure, seriously. Until next time. Awesome. All right, cheers. Take care, cheers. Dirk M.F. Manning. It has been forever since I've seen you, man. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, we did, yeah, I mean, since last week at Motor City. Oh, oh yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about that. No, yeah, I mean, we sat down, you know, I mean, Motor City, you know, we're at Cherry Capital right now, so it's a week later, but yeah, remember we, uh, we, uh, sat down at Motor City, I mean, we chatted, what, about, like, uh, good half hour or something like that, you know. Well, so you must have, like, some new stuff to, like, talk about, like, it's the only reason why I'm talking since, to you right now. Since, since, since last week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you, you always have news. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do got one thing, you know. I mean, uh, Dan Doherty and I released a uh, Cherry Capital Comic Con uh, exclusive variant of our new uh, Supernatural Mafia book, Cosa Nostra. It's limited to 100 copies. It's the black and white edition. So I guess if people are listening now, if you didn't get one here, you're probably going to be really hard-pressed to get one. Oh, wait, uh, were you saying something? Sorry. Oh, yeah, I guess you don't have anything to talk about, so... Thanks so much, Dirk. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. Man, I love being an idiot interviewing Dirk. But anyways, I want to thank uh, all of our guests on this week's episode. Uh, also, big shout out to C4 for being, again, an incredible convention to go to. And I do have one more interview uh, from the show that we'll be posting in a week or so, so... Until then, stay thirsty for more Drunk on Comics.